Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Hey, who's ready for some spring break, okay? Come on now. Um, I know some people are probably going to trickle in because the bachelor is just ending, all right? Thank you all for being Christian and being here, okay? Um, you know, spring break... Uh, I think a lot of y'all should enjoy it. I know a lot of y'all are looking forward to getting some sleep. Amen. 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 Right? Some people are sleeping. Right? Uh, I know. Who's going to go to the beach? Right? Okay. Nice. Who's going to go skiing? All right. Who's just going to go home and hang out with mama? Nice. Hey, you know, I've never got to do this to, uh, to my family, but my dad used to always do this to me. You ready for this? Hey, we got some special guests tonight. My parents are here. Isn't that cool? So, welcome to my, my parents. I am weird because of them. So, you're welcome. All right. Uh, this is my ask for you as you go to spring break is I want you to think while you're soaking up that sun on the beach or, or while you're like riding up that beautiful lift and seeing God's gorgeous mountains or you're just sitting there on your couch just halfway napping, halfway not, just enjoying life. I want you to think, man, I wonder what Brent's doing right now. And I want you to envision me with a shovel and a wheelbarrow and all I'm going to be doing during spring break is literally just shoveling piles of dirt and moving dirt and rocks, not by myself. I will have a two-year-old by my side <laughs> helping me, right? Uh, and he's going to be asking me about a million and two questions. Dad, why is the grass green? Why is the sky blue? Like, why does your stomach look like mommy's? Do you have a baby in it? Like, like I know that's going to come, all right? And then I'm, but I'm also not going to only have, you know, Rev. I'm also going to have a one-year-old, River, who's going to be next to me as well. And he's going to... Um, undo anything that I do, right? And so I'm going to show, like the other day I picked up a lot of rocks and I literally went to just go get a drink of water. I come back and he has thrown almost all those rocks back into the ground. And so it's going to be a great spring break. I hope y'all really enjoy it, okay? (laughs) Think about me, all right? Um, Last week I felt was a very powerful week. And um, I know that I I had all y'all close your eyes and Um, I had some of y'all raise your hands, but what most of y'all don't realize is we had over 20 people commit that they wanted to give their life to Christ. How awesome is that? Um, You know, what I I heard last week from a lot of people is a lot of people aren't confused by the complexity of the gospel. I believe a lot of people are confused by the simplicity of the gospel of the gospel. Like we talked about last week with Romans 10:9 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord is Lord and you believe in your heart that God rose him from the dead then you shall be saved, right? Like people aren't confused by it. they think it's going to be so complex and well I got to be perfect, I got to do all this. No, no, you just got to believe that you are a sinner in need of a savior and you ask him to be the savior of your life and people are like I want that, right? I w- I want to grow in that. But see, what, 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 we're going to go a little theological tonight, all right? We're going to talk about a little theology tonight, and, and what that means is this, is that we are justified 
in Christ. Justified in Christ in this context, it's simply just a legal term, right? When we're going to go standing toe-to-toe, face-to-face with Jesus, and he looks at us, right? When we're going to go, and, and we're going to be standing before him, God's going to say, like, he's not going to look at us and see our sin. He's going to look and see his son, his savior, who has redeemed us, who has saved us. And he's going to bang the gavel and say, you are free. You are not guilty. You are saved through my son. It won't be because of anything that we have done. It won't be because of anything that we earned. We didn't work for it. It's because of the saving work of Jesus Christ that we will be justified. We will be justified with Christ by faith. And we will have peace with God because of Jesus Christ. Now, when we become just justified, when we have given our life to Christ, I need y'all to know this, it doesn't happen three years from now, it doesn't happen, you know, after God says, you know what, let's put you in a timeout and let's see if you get holy enough and let's see if you get right enough and then maybe you will be justified. See, justified, justification doesn't work that way. It's as soon as you give your life to Jesus, you are justified. But now with that, if we can grow from that, our Heavenly Father, who's my Heavenly Father, who I hope is your Heavenly Father, you know, He actually desires more from us. He wants more from us. Because when we become justified with Jesus, we have positional holiness with God. We are therefore cleared way we have a relationship with him but he wants more than just positional holy holiness for us he wants us to be free from sin he wants us to live a life for him he wants us to grow in him he wants us to become more like him he wants us to become vessels that he can use and he wants us to grow in us he wants to manifest holiness in us where we can look like we can talk like we can think like and act like jesus christ This term is called sanctification. That is what we're going to talk about tonight. The sanctification. It means to be set apart. It means through the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, we try to live every every day, every thought, trying to live more like Jesus, thinking more like Jesus, acting more like Jesus through our obedience and our faith. We want to conform to God's Word and becoming more like Christ. Now, it's not just like justification, amen? It's not going to happen in just a moment. It's going to happen over time. It's going to take some time. It starts on the day that you give your life to Jesus, and it goes all the way until the day that you're standing toe-to-toe, face-to-face with Jesus. And I thought that after a sermon last week, I thought that sanctification might just be good for us to talk about, right? So what does sanctification look like? If you'll turn with me to 1 Thessalonians Four, we're going to look today that uh, Paul is actually encouraging the church at Thessalonica. He's saying, hey, y'all are killing it, but you know what? I want, to add, I want to add just a little bit more. I want to kind of promote just a little bit more. I want to push. I want to kind of just guide and lead y'all just a little more. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, says this, Finally then, brothers or sisters, okay, come on now. We ask and we urge you in the Lord Jesus that you have received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know that what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus, 
Everybody listen up here. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. You know how many times a year I get asked, well, I just don't know what the will of God is for my life, all right? What does the Bible say? What is the will of God? Your sanctification. Hey, Brent, you know, I just don't know what my future holds. Like, I, bro, I just, man, I just don't know what the will of God is. Well, hey, guess what the Bible says? Your sanctification. Well, that's like up here, Brent. Like, that's like great. Then, well, maybe God doesn't think so low as in what job you need to have or, or this. Maybe God just says, hey, wherever you're at in your life, I just want you to be sanctified in Jesus. Amen. Does that kind of free up a little bit? Okay, let's keep on going here. That you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his or her own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger of all these things. And as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us to impurity, but what has he called us into? Holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God. Like I have told y'all, at least I try to tell y'all this at least once every semester. If you want to know the will of God for your life, you need to know, you need to know the Word of God. Now, I could have been. I, I, in all honesty, there are a multiple of passages that I could have chosen uh, to talk about sanctification. Anytime that a scripture talks about taking off your old self and putting on your new self, it's sanctification. Anytime it talks about forgetting what you used to look like and straining towards Jesus, that's sanctification. Anytime they talk about fanning into flame, they're talking about sanctification. What Paul is trying to convince and convey to people is this, is that you, need, you are a new creation and you need to learn how to be the new you. I love how a couple pastors that I was studying when going through this text and looking at how they kind of handled the passage, they actually went a little bit seminary on it. And I was like, you know what? I did four and a half years in seminary. Maybe I should go a little seminary on it. Don't y'all just want more school? Doesn't that sound great? Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. People ask, why'd you go bald at 25? I said, McDonald's and seminary. Like, that's what, that's what happened. Like, Someone set out a meal five years ago from, from McDonald's, and it looks the same today. It's probably not good for you, right? But I was eating it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But seminary was good for me because I learned that there is a God. A, because I passed seminary, amen, hallelujah, and I found my beautiful wife because of seminary, all right? Hey, if you're following Jesus, God will provide, all right? Remember that. Okay, I was really excited about that point. Anyway, seminary teaching time. The Puritans, who were some great theologians, they studied Scripture backwards and forwards, and they tried to connect a lot of the dots for us, and I agree with a lot of things that they said. There was some of the things that I'm like, eh, you know, there's some things that I just don't understand where they're at, but one of the things that I loved about what they taught about was the process of sanctification. They talked about it in two steps, that, that, that there were two steps that would work together, that they coincide. And you ready for these big words? Vivification. Everybody say vivification. It's a hard word, amen? And mortification. Vivification. Come on, Jesus. Come on now. And mortification. 
Vivification, ooh, come on now, is the pursuit of the Lord. If we are to grow in holiness and honor, as it says here, we are to have pursuit of the Lord. I believe we would have to agree with something in this room that if we are to grow in the Lord, there's going to have to be some changes in our life. Amen? Puritans based all their belief and, and their thoughts on Colossians 3.1. I didn't put it on the screen. I want you all to listen. It says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of, uh, of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on this earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Their point was that your sanctification starts with your thoughts. You ought to think about things are above. You're not supposed to be caught up in things of this world. You're supposed to be thinking about Jesus, thinking like Jesus, and not thinking about the things of this world. And I believe that there's no greater way for us to be able to understand our mind or what we're supposed to do with our mind then Romans 12, 2, and I hope all of y'all have this memorized or tattooed on yourself. Just kidding, all right? I know a lot of y'all are tattooed people, all right? Come on, I'm just not cool like that, all right? It says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect, so how do you learn the new you? How do you start vivification? How do you start becoming more like Christ? You've got to re renew your mind daily. You've got, to, you've got to quit thinking like your old self, and you've got to start thinking like your new self. See, Paul is saying like becoming more like Christ is more than just biblical memorization, more than just memorizing the Bible, because he's talking to some scholars here who probably know the Bible backwards and forwards. It's your mind. It's how you think is how you're going to grow more like Jesus. See, the Bible says later on that we're supposed to take captive our thoughts. We're supposed to take the thoughts that are not godly, that are not pure and righteous and innocent, and we're supposed to cage them, and we're supposed to throw them away, and we're supposed to think on what is right and what is pure and what is holy. That's how we're supposed to grow. It's with our mind. You know, a couple months ago, my family and I, we moved to a new house um, here in Norman. Uh, we moved from uh, Highland, Highland Village, which is across town, and we moved to a, a house right over here across the, Mont, across the street from the Mont. So we live about half a mile from, from campus. It's a, it's a little difficult because we live in the same town, right? And for the last five years, I have taken the same route to my old house, right? I always go, I don't ever follow Boyd, I always go back by Duffy, and I take a left on Classen, all right? I would take a left on Classen, I'd go past Brahms, which is God's holy place, all right? And then i go past the, the cemetery, and one of my good friends always said, people are dying to go there, right? And then we, we go past, and we finally get to Highland Village, and that's where my house was. So over the past couple months, what I have noticed is that when I get to Duffy and Classen, I have to tell myself, you know what, 
you don't live over there anymore. You don't need to take this left. You actually live over here, and you need to take this right, right? And, like, I have to literally mentally tell myself, you don't live over there anymore. Your new house is in this neighborhood. It's not over there. It took me about three months to be able to not have to think about that anymore. You know, students, some of us in here, we need to realize that we are a new creation. We are made new in Christ, and we don't have to be our old selves anymore. We don't have to go to that place anymore. We don't have to take the left. We can go ahead and we can take a right towards our new self. We are to be new in Christ. We don't have to fall back into our old ways. We can take the right and we can pursue Christ. What happened after three months is that I don't even have to think about it anymore. I have done it enough times where when I come to that the exit and that stoplight, I don't have to worry about going left. I actually just instantaneously go right. Students, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, but you keep on taking that left instead of that right towards Christ, know this. Um, I think a lot of us have given up too early. I think a lot of us haven't tried to really pursue Christ with everything. And let me just tell you this, is that the more that you do it, the more natural it's going to be. And guess what? The more natural it becomes, the more addictive it is. Because Jesus starts pouring into you in ways that you could never, never imagine. It's not going to happen overnight. Many times I think some of us we're gonna stop we're gonna set that stoplight multiple times saying we need to go we need to go right here. We need to go right here. We need hey listen, don't even think that way. I need to start pursuing Jesus, all right? I'm gonna pursue Jesus. And we gotta think this new way, and we need to start training our minds in pursuing Christ and everything that we do, right? There's gonna be some times next week. Can we say that? Can we talk about spring break? All right. I don't have to be my old self at spring break this year. Right? I can be my new self in Jesus Christ this year. Can we proclaim that? All right. Can we be a new, a new creation in, in Jesus Christ for spring break? Now, I want to have a side note. I want us to be honest with ourselves tonight. I want you to really evaluate you and your relationship with Jesus. This is not me coming down on you. This is not me judging you. No one is looking at you. I want you to be able to evaluate yourself. And this is my question. If your mind isn't thinking about things of Jesus consistently, if you are not drawn to going closer with Jesus and pursuing Jesus daily, if you are consistently taking that left and, become, and, and just rolling in your old self every single day, if you have looked the same over the last three years, maybe, just maybe, it's not a sanctification problem, maybe it's a salvation problem. Maybe some of us, we need to realize, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to come down on you, but I don't want, to, want you to be fooled. Maybe some of us were trying to, to, to be like Christ, and we want to get it, but we never really get on board. We never really change. Maybe it's because we're trying to do something when we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. 
And I think tonight, maybe someone's saying, you know what, maybe I just never have really given my life to Christ, and, and I need to start there before I even try to run this race with Christ. I don't want us to fool ourselves, students. I think we need to interrogate where we really are with Jesus. Here's a good test, I think, that we should evaluate, evaluate ourselves with. I think you need to ask yourself, do I hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do I consistently try to grow in Jesus? Maybe some of us need to look at, am I constantly sinning with the, maybe the same sins or maybe multiple sins over and over and over? And you know what? Those have become non-negotiables in my life that I'm not willing to give up. That doesn't sound like someone sold out for Christ. And lastly, do I try to become more and more like Jesus every day? So if we're walking in this new way and we're trying to pursue Jesus, I believe that the Bible is so helpful because the Lord shows us a roadmap on how we are to think and how we are supposed to be. It fuels us not to go to our old self, but it motivates us to go to our new selves. You know, when I read scriptures, like when I, when I think about Paul in prison and I hear him praising and worshiping Jesus even in the midst of prison for years where he spent years upon years chained to whoever you know what, sitting in whatever you know what, in the heat, in the nastiness, and he's sitting there and he is worshiping Jesus in the midst of that and Jesus built him and, and, and just encourages him and loves him in such a way that he says, you know what Lord, no matter where I am, I am still in love with you. That encourages me. That encourages me when I'm going through a hard time, when I'm reading scriptures about people who are going through way worse things than I am, and they're still able to praise Jesus. Some of us need to find Jesus in the middle of our chaos and grow in him and let his word build us up and strengthen us and let him fill you with joy and strength that is unequal to anything else. That's vivification. Training your mind to pursue the Lord. You don't have to think this anyway. You can think this way now. But what, happened at the, what happens at the same exact time when vivification happens is mortification. Mortification is happening. Is when you are putting to death what is sinful in your life. He tells the church of Thessalonica here to abstain from sexual or immorality or anything involved with it because... They were to be living in holiness and honor. See, this was a problem back in the day because this was a time where, where sexual immorality was just a way of the world. They, they were just, when they didn't have Jesus, they would just live for themselves. And, and he was telling them, hey, when you become new in Christ, you don't have to be this way anymore. I know it might be culturally okay, but it's not biblically okay. See, I think a lot of us might just be able to say the same. Our faith hasn't grown because we're still messing around maybe with our girlfriend. Maybe we're still messing around with our boyfriend. It might be sex. It might be something that is sexual. But you know that when you face the mirror in the morning, I call it the soul exposer. And if you've ever been there, you know exactly what I'm saying. You can't look at yourself in the mirror the next day because you feel it. You know that you have done wrong. You're not proud of yourself. Some of us need to realize that we have a God who will forgive you as quickly as he saved you 
if you just fall on your face and say, Jesus, forgive me for what I've done. And he says that he will cast it as far as the east is from the west. And once you have done this, this is what he's saying is that you need to kill it. What You need to kill it from your life. You need to throw it away. You need to run from it. You need to flee from it. You don't need to try to tame it, all right? And that's what I've noticed a lot in this world and, and a lot with my friends and a lot with the people that I've counseled is that we try to tame our sin. We don't try to kill our sin. So the people that come to me saying, you know what, we have sex and it's horrible for me and we feel horrible and I know Jesus doesn't like it. You know what they try to do? They try not to just have that type of sex, but they feel okay with doing other things. So I need to get into details from that, right? We're all grown-ups here, all right? My parents are here. It's a little weird, all right? We don't need to try to tame our sin. We need to get rid of our sin. You can replace sex with anything that is robbing you from your pursuit of Christ. It could be pornography. It could be laziness. It could be anything that is distracting you and taking you away from your pursuit in Jesus it needs to be put to death in your life. See, when we're at that stoplight, students, you know, so many of us, we need to be sitting at that stoplight, we need to be like, nah, uh I'm not going to turn left because when I turn left, I know what's down that road. All right, if I, if I go to that party, I know what's going to happen with the domino effect. If I go to this party, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. You know what, if I'm going to go hang out with that group of friends, I'm going to become this type of person, and I don't like that person anymore, right? I don't like that person. It makes me feel like a very small me, you know what? I don't have to think this way anymore because, you know what, I'm not a small person. You know what, I'm going to turn this way because I'm a new creation in Christ. Christ has given me strength. Christ has given me power. You don't have to... Go rob yourself from joy. You have to be able to put to death this thing, and you need to pursue Christ. Some of us haven't given Jesus a true opportunity to show you a life that you could be addicted to. And I want to encourage you to do that. I want you, I always say three months. Live sold out, be as hungry as you can, give Jesus everything you can for three months. I'm batting 100% with that. I have seen more people give their life to Jesus and stay in love with Jesus if they give everything for Jesus for three months. Students, the things in my life, I think that this is, I think that Paul hits a big one, sexual immorality, and I think there are some things that are some other big items in our life that we can look at and maybe can, uh, you know, distract us. But I think something that really helped me uh, really evaluate where I was was kind of the gray area in my life. It's not necessarily something um, that was written in the Bible like, this is wrong, right? This is a sin, or maybe this is right, and this is what you should do. There's some of this gray area in your life. And I think this is where uh, maturity and walking with Jesus daily actually helped me. It took me 24 years old to be able for me to, to understand this. Is I feel in my life that I have to complete something every day. This is my life. I'm, I, I, I'm like, I can't lay on the couch all day. You ask Caroline, like, like, uh, 
uh, what's it called, vacation, there we go. Vacations are hard for me because I can't just sit on the beach every day uh, soaking up my dad bod son, right? You know, like it gets, it gets hard for me because I feel like I have to complete something every day. So when I go on vacation, I do. I have to go have a conversation with somebody. I have to connect with them in such a way where I feel like I have said something spiritual. I have even evangelized or maybe they've encouraged me, but I feel like I have done something that day. I, this was a couple weeks ago. I worked on our bathroom door at like midnight. All right, like, like Karen was like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "I got to complete this. Like, this is like, this is what I have to do." But this is what I've noticed in this gray area here, is that when I do this, it actually makes me a better person. I actually, because this, I'm a little OCD. All right, I actually can sleep better because I feel like I accomplished something. Right. I feel like I can be a better dad because I'm not just sitting there thinking about, well, I wish I could go do something or finish something today. It makes me a better husband, all right? But it also, it makes me a better child of God because I feel like I can go into a, a, an in-depth Bible study thinking and, 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 and listening to Jesus, and I know that I can, I can fully focus on God. See, when I don't feel like I'm doing anything and I feel lazy, I feel moody, I feel all this way, and I'm not being the best person. See, some of us in here, you need to learn these things about yourself. If you do this thing, you won't be okay, right? Maybe for some of you, if it's like, if I go hang out with this group of friends, like I actually end up being worse of a person when I hang out with these type of friends because they actually belittle me the whole time. And you need to cut that away. Some of you need to learn about, man, you know what? I need to wake up early. If I do not wake up early, get into the Word, man, the whole rest of my day is shot. Some of y'all need to wake up early, get in the Word early, start focusing on the Word early, and it could change your entire life. Some of you just need to sleep, amen? All right? Man, you know what? When I get at least a good six, seven hours of sleep, I'm a different person the next morning. Man, I can get in the Word. I feel like I can, can fight the day. If I could go back and tell myself anything in college, I would say sleep. I'm, I'm serious. See, we always focus on the big things that, oh, don't do this sexual immorality. Don't do all these things. But really, see, the devil doesn't have to drop a, a boulder on our head to take our focus away from God. He just has to put a pebble in your shoe, right? we got to look at the little things day in and day out that can take our focus away from God. Lastly, we look here in verse 9. And I think this is fitting for Paul to put into his, his sanctification speech right here. It says this, Now concerning your brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write you, for you, you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is who you are, for that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and more. Why do you think Paul put this little golden nugget here? Maybe it's because of this. The way you love people illustrates your sanctification in Jesus Christ. See, it says in verse 9 that you need to keep on loving the way that you're loving because of the way that God taught you to love. See, God's Word teaches us to not love people the same as us. doesn't tell us to, teach, to love people 
less than us. It actually teaches us to love people more than ourselves. And my question to you is how many of us are loving people more than ourselves? See, the key to sanctification here is when you love people that won't always love you back or love people that don't necessarily give you anything or love people that might be unlovable or love people that you might not even know, that's loving people the way that Jesus loved people. See, I think that the way we love people is, best, is the best way for us to evaluate whether we're becoming more like Christ or not. Jesus didn't come into this world to, to be served. He came into this world to serve and to love people. Do we serve and do we love people? Or do we expect people to come to us and invite us and to have conversations with us? See, I think a lot of us, we're we, I think some of us, we think we're walking like and talking like Jesus, but we don't have any real consistent friendships. This is what I call victim friends. They always think that, well, this person has said this about me. You know, I've been backstabbed like these 12 times. Man, these people always say this. They always feel like they're the victim. Anybody know a victim friend, right? All right. And see, they think the worst of everybody. Have you ever had, I mean, my question to this person is, you know, the only common thread between everything that just happened from one friend group, they said this, and then you went to the next friend group, they said this, and they went to this friend group, and they did this to me. The only common denominator is the fact that you were in that friendship. It keeps on happening, keeps on happening. Students, he gives us a guideline. Love people the way that God loves you, and it will change. There are some people in here right now that I, I, I would say this, that I, I deal with lonely college students every single week, and it, so many people play the victim card. Well, they just won't talk to me. They won't invite me. They won't do this. I'm like, well, what have you been doing for everybody else? How do you love someone and grow like Christ? I think first and foremost, students, you need to find people that need a friend. I did this multiple times and majority of people in crossover raise their hands when I say, well, who wants a new friend? And 85, 90% people raise their hand. We can find people that need a friend. You just have to put yourself out on the line. I think you need to love someone in their hurt and pain. You need to find somebody. You need to get to know them. You need to know them well enough and get to know their story where you can see what their hurt and their pains are. You need to listen to them. You need to help them. And you need to sharpen them. I think a lot of us are being dull blades for Jesus because we've never allowed anybody, and we never sharpened anybody, and we never allowed anybody to sharpen us. But then you need to fellowship with them. You need to learn how to have conversations with them about Jesus. And you all talk about it. Maybe you all leave church and you talk about the sermon. You, you talk about a crossover lesson. And, and you just start walking and talking with them. And here's the kicker, I think, for having a good friendship is letting them love you back. I think so many times I've been friend, I have been lonely in my life because I had a lot of friends, but no one knew who I was. I was terrified of someone hurting me. I was terrified of being brokenhearted by friendships and being vulnerable. But this is what is so beautiful about this is that when you're becoming more like Jesus, it becomes, it becomes less about people hurting you, and it becomes more about you praising Jesus even in your weakness. 
And when you're becoming more like Christ, you're being more vulnerable in Christ and you're sharing. And people connect more with your problems than your praises, right? They connect more with who you are and the things that you are dealing with and your, and your ups and downs. And they want to help you and they want to grow with you. That's how you form a brotherhood or a sisterhood. That's how a friend becomes close, closer than a sibling, is when you allow them beyond, you help them, you secure them, you grow them in Jesus, and then you know what? You need to be vulnerable with them and let them in and let them know who you are. Students, your friendships and relationship with Jesus is best illustrated in with how you love people, if you're growing and loving in Christ always. So as we close up here, I want us to think about a couple things here. It's like, how well are we growing like Jesus? Are we renewing our minds daily? Are we getting into his word daily and trying to think, you know what, I don't have to think like this person anymore. I can think like this new person. I am a child of God. I don't have to be this person because I know if I go down this road, it's not going to end up anywhere that I need to be. Maybe some of us were stuck in the same patterns of resorting back to our old selves and we need to quit turning that way and we need to start turning the way of Jesus. It's going to be a process and the more that you do it, the more that natural it's going to be. Maybe some of us in our lives right now, we need to evaluate what sins in our life do we need to kill? Do we need to get rid of? Do we need to put to death? Because it is putting a strain on us. It's putting a, a weight on us from being able to grow more like Jesus. And if we could wrap all of it in a nutshell, my question is, is how well do you love people? Because if you love people, it's a great sign that you are loving Jesus. Because when you know how much Jesus loves you, you want to share that love with other people. Students, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you have done. Lord, let us not just sit in our justification and just try to rein in the chips of, you know what, I can be the person that I can be now. But Lord, let us be able to run the race. Let us be able to pursue holiness and be able to pursue you with everything that we have. And Lord, I just ask for tonight that, that we're able to really get grips on who we are and who we are in you. Maybe some of us in here, we have fooled ourselves into thinking that we're something that we're not. And I hope that tonight we're able to say, you know what, I'm tired of being this person. You know what, I've actually lived for myself, Lord. I'd never lived for you, but tonight I want to live for you. You know what, next week's a big week, and Lord, I want to start this week off strong, and I want to be able to start living for you now, and Lord, I want to carry this on for the rest of my life. And I ask and I pray and I encourage them to do so. Lord, some of us in here, we need to pursue Christ more. We, we know that what Christ has done, we know what he is going to do, and Lord, we need to pursue them, pursue him with everything that we have. I, I ask that you give them strength and courage to do so. So Lord, as we close up these last couple songs, I ask that anybody who needs prayer, anybody that wants to lay anything down at the feet of Jesus, that they come talk to our prayer team that's going to be down here. If maybe they're uncomfortable with that, if they can write on their prayer cards at their feet and turn it into the prayer box at the end. Lord, let's just be able to walk tonight and sanctification closer, more like you. Put it in your name. Amen. If you would stand up.